welcome to the Adult Table, a podcast where we sit down with people in the STEM community. We set the virtual table to bring in a diverse set of guests to engage in a casual conversation on a professional career and life. With this podcast, we hope that we can bridge the gap between the hierarchy involved with growing up. We can redefine what it means to be able to figuratively sit at the adult table. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Chin. And I'm your other co-host, Jenny Chung. So today we have our great friend from New York City, former SACE Northeast Regional Manager, fellow Nick Leifer, the man with the most riz. We got Wesley Chow. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jenny. Thank you for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. I've been uh, a longtime fan of the oh, yeah? table. Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, I mean, granted, I wasn't there from the beginning, but uh, I started about halfway through from episode five onwards. That's pretty uh, day, cool. You know, day of release listener. So mm-hmm. I don't waste I don't waste a beat. I don't waste a beat listening to it. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, fun fact, Wes was actually an uh, earlier podcaster or earlier <laughs> Sace podcaster than Jenny and I. That is uh RPI days. <laughs> you can easily find that on YouTube. <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> this is some dark history trying to pull up. <laughs> We're going to go up by a thousand views afterwards and the YouTube video is going to pop off for no reason. Heck yeah. Yeah, if you want to see what Wes looked like four years oh. ago or what he sounded like four years ago, take a quick look. There's at least like 10 episodes up there. Yeah, well, we had a total of 14 episodes, but we only got onto YouTube after number five or number six. Mm. Uh, so there's still a good amount on there, but thank God the earlier ones with all the mistakes are not on there. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's right the first few are always tough i think we we recorded one with stefan and yeah. he was supposed mm-hmm. to be our first or second guest and we scrapped it and then we scrapped the whole episode and then we we had him on like a month again or a month later kind of get all the the butterflies out you know uh get a little yeah. more comfortable yeah the learning pains but no it, that's how it rolls that's how it rolls yeah but i know we kind of just jumped quickly into the podcast that you hosted before, but do you want to just kind of give the listeners a brief introduction of who you are and what led you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hello, everyone. For our virtual Spotify and uh, YouTube listeners, my name is Wesley, Wesley Chow. Uh, born and raised in New York City. Been here all my life and I'm still here. I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI for short, for my undergrad. Uh, graduated with information technology and economics as a dual. Been with my local state chapter at RPI for no, pretty much my all four years. You know, started as uh, a freshman rep, worked my way up to chapter president. Uh, once you know, I got that out of my system, I decided to make that big leap over to the Northeast team. Uh, and from there, you know, climbed the ranks again from regional coordinator all the way up to uh, regional manager. Uh, where I was last year. So now I'm happily retired. Um, you know, I did I did my dues. I paid my dues. Uh, <laughs> did my time at with Sace, and you know, I, I'm now uh, one year off. And now I'm back on the Adult Table podcast, my favorite podcast to listen while I do dishes and do work. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm so happy to be on. But yeah, that's a little background about me um, and and my little uh, history. Cool. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, I did a little LinkedIn stalking as well. And I saw that you're, well, I also heard from Jason that you're also like a consultant for your job. Do you want to explain what that is? <laughs> <What do you laughs> yeah, very simply, like, what 
just consulting in general, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a, a big word. You know, you say consultant and everyone's like, what, what is that, right? And the answer most people will give is it's going to be, it depends, right? Uh, we wear a lot of hats. We, we do a lot of things that aren't a part of the job description. And sometimes I'm sitting there wondering, like, man, I didn't sign up for this. I don't know anything about this. Uh, but that's part of the consult consulting journey is that, you know, you're thrown into any project um, where, you know, people need you, clients need you, and you got to learn as much as you can in a short amount of time and suddenly become experts at it. And you, you really got to pick it up. It's fast paced. You know, you're jumping from client to client. For me specifically, I my company is uh, Simples, Simples Management Consulting. I do a lot of management and strategy consulting, uh, which is I'm helping companies figure out what the hell they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I, it seems pretty straightforward, but you know, sometimes they don't know what they're doing and I don't know what I'm doing. We got to hold hands and cross that line together, right? So <laughs> um, that's kind of my job is um, I work a lot within the finance uh, industry, a lot of banking, uh, wealth management, investments. Um, so that's kind of where I currently sit right now. Um, I recently just got off a big project um, about a few months ago. I'm currently on the bench, just sitting. And you know, I have another project lined up actually starting next week. Um, so this is my last week of free time before I uh, have to commute back to office. You know, and, uh, <laughs> back, to the, back to work. <laughs> you hate to see it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Wes, I know you mentioned being on the bench, and I know we talked about it before, but can you kind of just describe what being on the bench really means and kind of how you spend your time? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the bench, it's not the worst place. Uh, I know a lot of good Knicks players get benched too, too early, too often. <laughs> but uh, in consulting, what, what being on the bench means that, you know, you are in reserve. You don't have an active project that you're contracted out to uh, as of yet. But, you know, you're sitting in there, you're waiting in reserve. Usually, most of the time, you have uh, a contract already in the works. But, you know, due diligence and process takes its time, uh, especially when, you know, in, uh, with banks and uh, investment banks. They take forever to get anything done. Um, mm. So it, contracts usually take about two to three months to finalize, going through legal, procurement and whatnot. So I'm one of the lucky ones. I have something lined up as soon as I quit. Uh, not quit, but my contract ended previously. So uh, I had something lined up and it was just a few, what, two months worth of downtime where I get to relax, kick, put my feet up and uh, take it a little bit easy. Gotcha. So usually I, from what I hear from consulting, it's like, oh, people are scrambling to find their next one if they don't have something lined up because is there like a dedicated amount of time where like you're just let go potentially yeah. if you don't find something uh, so my company um and bless them they we were an interesting bunch uh we're a lot smaller than you know your usual consulting groups where they got thousands and thousands of people per office we only have about two thousand people globally and about 50 people in the New York office. So we're a very, very small company. And unlike you know, other consulting companies where you, know, you really have to pitch yourself and sell yourself as a consultant, selling your skills and your knowledge to a client, and then they pick you, we have managers or contract account holders where they get to pick who they want to staff on their account, on their contract. Um, so I get all the hard work, you know, taken out of, you know, out of, out of it for me. So I get to just relax and I know my manager very well and we're very close. So mm -hmm. she already has me, uh, on like five different contracts It's whoever, you know, wants to take up, uh, take me up as the, at the highest point 
for the contract. Then I'll get sold off. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. That, that's kind of how it works. It's a little bit different for, for me, at least. Gotcha. Okay. Did you feel like there was like a really big like vetting process like to get to a company like this? Just because you mentioned like the company being smaller and that the contracts are kind of or I guess there's like an easier flow to that. Was it harder to get your foot in the door in the first place? In, in some ways, yes. I, I do think that it, there was a bit of a challenge to really break into a company like this where, you know, it's so much smaller. But it really was something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, I did a few internships here and there you know, back in, you know, when I was still in college where I was a part of a very large company. Uh, mm-hmm. And it felt I, I didn't enjoy it all too much, right? Where everyone didn't really know what you did. You know, we had people in different departments on the same floor who sat within a hundred feet of each other, but I didn't know what you know the guy you know two blocks you know, two desks over did. But mm-hmm. here at this company, you really get to know everyone. You really get to be involved in a lot of different initiatives internally, and that was a part which made was really easy for me when I was interviewing because with such a small company. Company, they really want to make sure that you're not just smart, you know your stuff, but that you're a person that people would enjoy working with, right? Because it's yeah. so small, you're get, you're definitely going to bump into you know, the same person multiple times while you're still at that company. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the emphasis was placed on personality, um, you know, how personable you are, and how well you work with others. And I think, you know, I would like to say that, that I play that off very well, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to the jury to pick on that one. <laughs> yeah what do you think jason you think he's <laughs> i don't know i'm just trying to imagine a company with 50 wesses in the office and i'm like how does stuff get done over there <laughs> oh no it's beer night every night <laughs> um i'm I'm also curious oh uh, yeah thank you for your insight on that i'm curious about how you wanted to go into consulting in the first place i feel like that's not really like something that people say like oh i want to go into consulting like from college is that something you were looking into prior already, like when you were deciding your major and stuff like that? Because you studied IT, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it was a weird journey for me. It all started, you know, not when I was born, but when I was uh, picking colleges uh, when I was in high school. And everyone uh, during high school, they were struggling. You know, SATs were done, right? Yeah. And you're doing what's the, the common common application. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's struggling. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Right? I knew, you know, pretty early on that like I want to do something in tech. Right. I like tech. Tech, tech is the future. Right. It's definitely got to be something on, you know, a computer. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's got to be something you know, involving electronics and my laptop. And they get paid a lot of money. I like that. Um, <laughs> that was my two bullet points I had in my head as I was applying. Um, and I actually started, uh, went, to, uh, you know, applied to RPI uh, in computer science. Mm. Um, and I did a brief stint in that, no, started off comp- just in computer science. Um, so I got in, you know, did my orientation, you know, new uh, freshman you know, activities and whatnot. And within a week, you know, I, I bumped into a few people. I was networking on campus, um, just chatting up people. And, and I bumped into this, an older fellow uh, who became my mentor later down the line. His name's uh, Mohammed. We call him Mo. And Mo, he was, uh, he was IT. And he really sold me on it. He's like, well, you know, IT, uh, he gave me a very wonderful metaphor. Um, he says, IT is com- to computer science as electrical engineering is to physics. 
physics is the study of the theory, you know, how it works, why it works, while electrical engineering is the application of that theory. Same mm -hmm. thing with IT and computer science, where computer science, you study the theory, why it works, how it works, right? While IT is the application of it. And I'm like, that's a great metaphor, right? And I'm like, oh, I like that a lot. So you know, I listened to him, I, and he encouraged me to uh, join IT, ITWS, mm -hmm. which stands for Information Technology and Web Science. Mm -hmm. uh, a long name, mouthful. It's terrible to put on a resume. It takes up way too much space. <laughs> but I, I, I picked up IT as a secondary, as a dual major pretty early on, I think within the first month of me being on campus, which was amazing. But after a year of being on computer science, doing all the hard coding courses, I, I thought to myself, man, I, I hate this. This is terrible. <laughs> I'm stuck with all these people who are just that much smarter to me. You know, they're able to code, they understand the code and they're able to crank it out like a little code monkey in a closet. You know, they type away for bananas, right? And they, they don't care about anything. I was like, man, I can't compete against that. It's, it's too much pressure. And you know, I didn't understand it too much. Um, so at the end of my freshman year, start of sophomore year, I went to my advisor and said, like, hey, I'm dropping CS. I'm keeping only IT. Uh, and my advisor, God bless her, her name was Linda. Linda, she was amazing. And she said, well, why don't you pick up something, a, a dual? You know, you've already put in the work um, and you're very ambitious. So why not you know, pick something um, that you would be interested in, something else? I'm like, okay, what would be easy? Um, so I, I read through the booklet, read through the pamphlet, and I picked up, you know, so economics was pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. And you know, who doesn't love money? I'm like, I like, I like money. So why not? Right. Um, so I did the rest of my undergraduate with uh, IT and economics. But throughout that, you know, IT, there was two real main paths that you could really follow. One is either you continue to go into programming, web development, uh, mm -hmm. app development, really go hard on the development, or you could pivot into project management. And the way our classes were held in IT is you were given a project at the start of the semester, put into groups, and you would function as like a mini you know, coding team. You would have front end developers, back end developers, and project managers. And you know, obviously, I took on the, the, the project manager role because I hated coding. Uh, and I realized, man, this is great. I get the boss people around. I get all the credit at the end. Like, this is amazing, <laughs> right? Um, but it, as time grew on, you know, as I was continuing with SAIS and IT, I realized I really enjoy working with people. And that was the number one top priority for me was I want to be in a job that works with people, right? I want to be people-facing. I want to talk to people. I want to you know, help them figure out stuff, um, you know, plan out meetings, plan out agenda, timelines, um, and that really spoke to me as you know, someone who was able to organize uh, stuff and really help people uh, manage and direct resources and where they wanted to go with their work. And that's kind of where I liked, you know, enjoyed a lot. But what really brought me into consulting was I think in senior year, there was a um, this company, Accenture, they put out this challenge, this boot camp where they had students, seniors, or however, what grade would go over to Boston um and to their corporate headquarters and for a two-day weekend activity you would be given a challenge um this pro this problem that accenture has and you would have to come up with a pitch and present it to four c-suite uh, executives uh the next day 
And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is terrifying. Like, what am I going to do? So I brought a buddy with me from RPI. We went there and immediately walk in the room. We're underdressed. We, we look scuffled as hell because we got people from Harvard. We had people from you know, Berkeley. We had people from uh, Northeastern as well. I and mean, it's like, oh my God, we're completely outgunned. Like, well, what are we going to do? These guys, they've been training their whole life. They, they know how to make slide decks. They know how to make pitches. And me and my buddy, he's a freshman. Oh, <laughs> right? no. It's the two of us against, you no know, uh, no top guns all over. We were severely the underdog. But, you know, through a lot of work, a lot of hands-on, you know, learning from the uh, on-site mentor who was an employee at Accenture, we really put together a, a great deck, a great pitch. And, you know, we went up. The next day, C-suite, all four of them sat up there. We presented. And afterwards, I had two of the C-suite executives come up to me and say, Wes, you got amazing stage presence. Like, you commanded the crowd. You knew what to say. Like, you made it super engaging. You're a great storyteller. And I got an offer right there on the spot from from one of them um, oh. to, to join. You know, once I graduate, I'm like, you know what? This this is interesting. I, I, I never got in a compliment like that about my stage presence, my crowd control. Um, and that you know, got me really interested. Like, well, if this is if I'm this good at it, what else is there? And you know, that led me on to research and consulting and seeing where I can really you know, go from there. That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, other things you could do with stage presence is perform. <laughs> I, I have been told I would be a great clown. I would be a great circus clown. So I don't doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so then you didn't end up taking that the job offer at the end, right? No, it, uh, I didn't take it. Just no, I didn't want to take the first thing thrown at me. Um, and it was also an internship, not a full time offer. So oh, okay. it was not exactly what I'm looking for, but it opened my eye up to, you know, this whole world of consulting uh, where, you know, I get thrown a random pro problem at me and I got to be fast on my feet, think of a solution, think of a way to present it and put it into a story that people are interested in buying and you know, being a part of it. Um, so it that completely opened my lens up, and that's how you know, I really got into consulting. Oh, sure. so so in in your job, are you like pitching also, or are you kind of just already helping them already? They already like had a deal, and now you're just like helping them implement it. Versus like you're not selling it, you're not selling. I, anything, I kinda right? do. No, that's a really good question. I I do a mix of all. Uh, all those oh, elements okay. uh, where I'm helping people put together these pitch decks so that, you know, we can mm -hmm. sell products, our services. I'm also you know, on site helping them implement it. Um, and I'm also there, you know, helping them manage, right, what what they're working on. Um, recently, now that I'm on the bench, I've been a lot more involved in creating these pitches, uh, mm -hmm. understanding, you know, how can I sell this strategy? How can I sell service you know, to a, to a company? Um, so I've been much more involved in there, but once I presume I get back onto a project, uh, it's going to be a lot more heads down, you know, do the work, uh, you know, control whatever we're trying to implement um, and you know, still you know, building out relationships with the client, uh, getting to know them, be friends with them, you know, take them out for dinner, take them out for drinks, wine and dine them a little bit, you know, build that connection to continue selling onwards. It's a, it's a continuous process, you know, delivering and also being able to sell and pitch. Hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting hearing kind of your perspective in this field. I think you talked a lot about, well, first, like you talked about that story in Accenture, having a stage presence, so, and also just networking and like enjoying kind of working with people and like interacting with them. So I was kind of curious, like, was that something that 
was kind of like an acquired skill for you or something that you worked on uh, for a while or something that you were just like always naturally good at? Like, what, where was that progression to getting to getting those compliments like at that Accenture event? Yeah, no, I mean, hard to believe. I mean, great question, Jason. Hard to believe back in high school and even before as a kid, super shy. Right, not the new gene song, but just incredibly. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but no, I was terribly, you know, very, you know, in myself, not really engaging with a lot of other people. And what really brought me out was uh, in high school. You know, I, I made it an effort to really, you know, start a new slate, new opportunity to meet a lot of new people, and I went out of my comfort zone a lot. Um, one of the my friends we used to have a silly challenge is where uh, whenever we're out on the street having fun, they would point to a random person like, hey, Wes, go go talk to that person. Right. And it would usually be a challenge if I was like, oh, get their number, get their name, you know, or like um, ask them about their dog, ask if you take a picture with their dog. And, you know, I took it as a personal challenge. It's like, no, I, I'm not losing money on this. I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, so as I went out and I really got extremely out of my comfort zone talking to these people um just approaching random strangers you know and striking conversation which is you know, not the easiest thing to do in new york where everyone like either brushes you off or just looks at you weird but um, you know as a kid they, they probably gave me the benefit of the doubt and that really got me out of my shell but during college what really pushed me to the next level was i would say sace in a way where i joined uh, as a freshman rep and I, from that point on, moving up the rank and the ladder, I was exposed to so many people and so many opportunities where, like, I have to go up in front of a stage of, like, you know, hundreds of people and I got to say something without no prep, no no nothing. I had to ad lib it, wing it, and then come up with a speech introducing the event, welcoming people and whatnot. So I was caught off guard a lot of times, and that really helped me, you know, be quick on my feet to think of a response, think of something to say, you know, come up with a story to get people engaged. And it, it's something that I found... I was naturally good at, but without the opportunities that I had, definitely wouldn't have happened. Hmm. Interesting. Do you remember like the first instance of that those like challenges? Yeah, no, I actually have a gr really funny story on that. One of the challenges was actually joining SACE at my chapter at RPI. They were handing out. You know, it was all a bet. <laughs> it was all a bet. <laughs> right. And it, it, it was uh, they were handing out you know, flyers and whatnot. And the, the flyers that SACE was handing out at my chapter was a little calendar. It's like, oh, here's all our events for the month of September. You know, check it out. And I didn't know anything about, you know, the club or you no. Know, what those meetings were so i looked at okay what's the next one oh it's on sunday what's this called a e-board meeting huh i wonder what that is right so let, let me go check that out I, it sounds interesting an e-board meeting what is that like a you know I, I didn't know so i went there and you know me being a little good boy i went 30 minutes early and i got there and the room was dark no lights on no nothing and i sat there for 20 minutes in the dark on my phone just waiting and then the president came in at the time and looked at me and said, Wes, what the hell are you doing? Right? Because I spoke with him at the career fair. Like, what are you doing in here? He's like, oh, I, I saw there was an e-board meeting. I thought I'd drop by. It's like, you're sitting here in the dark? I'm like, yeah, well, my friends told me I should really check it out. So why not? So I sat there. They had their e-board meeting. I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're talking about nationals. They're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, planning trips in, in October. I'm just like sitting there, you know, twiddling my thumbs. I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, then they told me about the freshman rep position and it's like oh i'll pass on it i'll pass right and my friend's like wes you should do it and i'm like 
Well, okay. <laughs> if you say so, you know, I'm not going to turn it down. Um, and I, I joined as freshman rep that day onwards, and I got really involved uh, afterwards. So it, I, it was a lot of awkward situations I put myself in. But if I didn't put myself in that situation, I never would have been where I am now. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty cool. So is that also how you started a podcast as well? Or was that something you wanted to <laughs> Well, we're really like hammering down on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, the, um, the podcast Says Talk was uh, a podcast I started. This was back 2021, right? I think 2020. I thought it was 2020? yeah. 2020 was the YouTube video that I saw. Okay, never mind. I, much earlier than I thought. It was right when COVID hit, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, I was bored. I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> Right. I'm home alone. I got nothing to do. I'm acing all my coursework. I, I've got nothing. Right. Little flex. You said I know. <laughs> it, it was really easy to ace all the courses online. I don't know why, but I, I had a really great time, but I had too much free time. Uh, so I was like, well, what can I do? I've been listening to a lot of podcasts at times. Like, why don't I start one myself? Right. I'm like, no, this is the classic, you know, everyone starts a podcast at some point in their life. True. Like this, this <laughs> and but I really wanted to to have an outlet to really talk to people and to give you know some people content to listen and engage with. And uh Safe Talk was focused a lot on you know speaking with communities, the you know, community members within the SACE RPI group, uh understanding, you know, life at RPI, you know, life at within SACE. Um, and I got an opportunity to reconnect with a lot of alumni, you know, talking about med- medical school, business school, uh, law school, even, um, and really just talking, which uh, apparently I'm known to be very good at just talking and wasting a lot of time just chatting with people. Um, and so I'm like, why not just record it and put it on YouTube? So I had a really great, helpful eboard at the time who liked the idea. So they helped me set it up. They helped me, you know, put together YouTube videos. But no, we had a great time. I think 14 episodes I mentioned where we just talked about random topics. I did put a lot of research into making sure we had good questions, you know, good things to ask, good talking points. But we know I think people enjoyed them a lot. We had a lot of views. We were initially on Spotify, but then YouTube videos became the the new norm. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's where most of the people saw them afterwards. Mm-hmm. But was a was was a lot of fun, but we stopped after I graduated because I'm like, all right, I got better things to do. I got the safe, uh, the northeast region to look after now. I can't <laughs> manage. <laughs> too. Uh, yeah. Do you think like you would want to revisit doing a podcast like outside of like the safe RPI space? There, there would be interest. I, I won't lie. Um, I would be interested. As to what exactly, I would need to definitely hash that out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a podcast is only as interesting as, you know, the topics that you bring to it. So I know at, while I was still at RPI, you know, a lot of people were interested, like, who are alumni? You know, what's you know, some career paths that I could take? There was a lot of interest there. But looking at me now, you know, where I currently am, uh, there definitely could be topics I could flush out, but you know, definitely what would like to, you know, dig deeper into that. But no, the doors are always open for me. I'll never say no. Mm. Well, gotcha yeah i mean you are good at talking i will give you that <laughs> <laughs> okay let's talk about adulting let's talk about that i see so i mean you've been out of school for a bit now right let's see you graduated in 2021 so we've about three years oh yeah about three years almost three years yeah so how was that transition for you like going oh well, we graduated during covid right um, yeah, and then the started working. How was that transition kind of from 
from school life to professional adult life. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was a crazy time. You know, COVID, everything was so different, so incredibly different. Um, and it, it was honestly really difficult to to navigate, you know, what the hell am I supposed to do now? You know, I graduate and that's it. There's no one else to tell you, okay, this is what you need got to do now. This is uh, how it's supposed to roll. And especially in COVID, there was very little in-person activity. Everything was done from at home. You know, I give you a call, I send you an email. So it was difficult to navigate, um, at least, you know, initially, like, what am I supposed to be doing other than just trying to find a job? Mm -hmm. uh, I was one of the lucky few. I was able to find my job shortly after graduating. Uh, I was able to push my start date a little bit later into, I think, October. Uh, September is when I started. So I had from May to September to really, you know, figure out what I'm doing. And during that time, you know, I spent, uh, I lived back at home, you know, my parents lived elsewhere. So I was home alone for the most part. Um, and I was stuck trying to figure out, you know, what are, what are my hobbies? What, what do I like to do? So <laughs> it was definitely uh, a weird situation to be in. So I, I explored a lot uh, in regards to hobbies. I picked up photography for a good bit doing freelance work, selling photos to newspapers. I didn't pay that well. It was like, what, three cents a photo or something less? Oh. Hmm. Uh, yeah, really, really low rates. But no, but uh, I was able to really you know take a lot of photos, explore, do all that. And no, one of the most important things during that time, I was able to reconnect with family. Um, no, just see some family members who, you know, a little bit further away than New York. But given I only had a few months, I had really had to figure out like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What, how is this going to work? But time flew way too quickly during those few months. And I ended up you know, getting and joining the company pretty quickly. But I did I was able to kind of hash out and go where I stood within within myself after graduating and you know, figuring out like, OK, this is my my goals for the next five years. Right. Or at least the next 10 years, I told myself, like, I want to get to this uh, company. I want to start working. I want to get promoted within two years. I want to, you know, go back to school eventually. Um, you know, I want to do this. I want to you know, move out in two years. Um, and thankfully, you know, I've been very successful with my goals. I, mm. I think I've achieved all of my three year goals that I set for myself. You know, once I graduated, you know, moving out, getting my own apartment, getting promoted. You know, being able to see my grandparents, you know, at least once a once a once a year for those who live further away. So I've achieved a lot of my goals, and you know, I'm looking back now. I'm very happy I was able to figure that out uh, at that time. But then I was very confused and very lost. Um, so I'm thankful I was able to set up those goals, at least small goals, but they helped me set the, the direction I wanted to take myself in. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, congrats on staying yeah. on track with these goals. I think that's definitely like a frequent topic that we have here at the adult table. And a lot of times too, like coming, the struggles that come with trying to, to reach those goals in general. But it seems like you just put a lot of big goals for yourself or like big expectations. So like keeps you motivated through those times or like to get to those goals or kind of like what is your process and thinking about it once you kind of set themselves set them up for yourself yeah no that's that's a really good question jason i mean i uh, throughout college i've always had a very uh, and I'm, I'm now able to admit it i had a very toxic expectations for myself it was very unhealthy mm. um, there was one point i think it was during junior year of college where i was so stressed out 
incredibly just ripping my hair out kind of level of stress right okay. i mean i'm working what two ma- i'm working on a dual major I'm leading my chapter. I'm also president of two other clubs on campus at the same time. I had two part-time jobs and I had to juggle a relationship on top of that, right? And that was a lot to to, to handle on my plate. But I continued to push myself through it because you know, I always thought, you no, know, if no one else can, it's got to be me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got to be able to do it. If no one else, it's got to be me. And that put so much pressure on me to do something that was just very unhealthy, right? Staying up late nights, working, coming home late from my part-time job at a restaurant, um, and then have so much schoolwork to juggle, so much, you know, chapter stuff to plan out. And it it took it took its toll on me, and you know, it I actually ended up you know having to like take a step back and like some of the stuff has got gotta go, gotta take a break from it. Um, and from that that point on, you know, I was. Uh, I never really picked up back up that momentum that I had at that time, but thankfully, you know, after I graduated, I went to you know I, I went to go get therapy. I went to talk it out. You know, why did I set these really toxic and you know unachievable goals for myself? You know, just to put myself through you know, such turmoil. I, I haven't figured it all out, but you know, I know enough now that what my limits are and ha- what healthy goals I should set for myself. And what keeps me motivated, you know, to answer your question is I always want to see myself do better. I'm always challenging myself, right? It's always a bet. Like, oh, I can't do that. Like, you want to bet? Like, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my internal monologue. I'm just like, yeah, yeah you can't do it. Yeah, like, you want to bet about it? You know? <laughs> right? And just keep you know, going, you know, surpassing my limits and trying to keep doing more. But now it's definitely within a much more healthier boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing like, you know what, I'm not going to take that bet. Like that's a l- little bit too extreme. Let me just tone it down a little bit, but it, it definitely, it's, um, a mentality of, I want to keep improving. I want to keep getting better at what I do and becoming a better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's currently, that's my motivator right now is, uh, just continuous self-improvement that, you know, every time I meet someone again, after a few months, you're like, wow, like Wes, you've, you've learned a lot. You've gained, you learned, you know, so much more, you become a better person and, you know, constantly wanting to improve myself. Gotcha. Yeah. It sounds like we all kind of have that mindset when we're in college, especially I feel like in the East coast too, it's very grinding. Like you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do it, put my head down, do all this stuff. And then it, you get burnout from that. So I feel like from you, like, did you experience, you I mean, you probably experienced burnout in college, but in your professional life, did you experience burnout from work at all? And how did you deal with that? Yeah, no, burnout's all, it's always, you know, creeping around the corner, you know, waiting for that moment where you think you're going to you know, get past a hurdle, but it's, it hits you, you know, with baseball bat, you know, the moment you take that next step. Uh, I know in, in my current work, my previous project, there were a, a period of time where it was crunch time. You know, everything just came at you at, all at once. Mm-hmm. I had to be, I was waking up at like 5 a.m. for 6 a.m. calls. I had to go back home, you know, and uh, prep for, you know, 8 p.m., 10 p.m. calls, work on weekends. Yes. And I'm like, man, I'm clock, I'm rounding out, you know, 80 something hours a week. Crazy. And I thought I could keep doing it. I can keep doing it. You know, it's, think about the bonus. Think about, you know, the, the you know, the promotion. And that really just like, man, I, I can't do that no more because it, it took a lot mentally on, on myself where I had to keep pushing myself to meet, go beyond expectations. You know, I was always I was very much a yes person to my manager on my on, on, at the client side where, uh, Wes, can you set up a meeting for you know, 8 a.m. on Saturday? Like, yes, I can do it. Mm. Right. 
Um, and it was that same mentality where, you know, I'm working with a client. I want to get the client's approval. I want them to give me good reviews, but at what expense? And, you know, that was myself. So burnout definitely hit me hard at, at that point. But thankfully, you know, I was I had a good manager who who saw it before I saw it. And it's like, hey, Wes, you got a lot of vacation dates left. Like, use it. Like, I'm, I'm calling you out now. Like, use these vacation days. Like, I'll give you a list of places you can go. Just use it. <laughs> So I ended up taking a very good trip earlier last year, and uh, I think around October, trip went around to Europe with my girlfriend for about a week, mm-hmm. um, and so that was I think that was the break I needed. I came back and I took a look at the meetings I had before my vacation and the meetings I had after my vacation. I was like, man, like, I can't do that no more. So <laughs> I, I set better boundaries with my work and like, hey we don't really need the eight o'clock on Saturday. Like, how about we talk about it on a Monday? You know, the work's not going anywhere. It's still going to be here. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about Monday instead of on Saturday. So I'm still working on perfecting my boundaries with work, but it's definitely a, a big improvement from where I was, you know, six, six months ago. Mm. Oh, we love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the idea around consulting is that like high stress environment and, I guess, can you just talk about more about like this balance like that you're having comparative to like, I don't know, like your coworkers or your team, like, do you feel like you're seeing them going through that too? Or is it hard to like set those boundaries knowing that that's kind of like the culture or I'm not sure if that, that really is the culture kind of at your place. Yeah, no, it's definitely sometimes challenging. You know, I mean, for for a long time, I've always told myself the end goal for my career is C-suite somewhere, right? Somewhere I'm sitting up there high table, you know, someone brings me my coffee. I don't got to go make it myself. That's the ideal state, right? Uh, but then I see the people who are C-suite and they get worked in incredibly intense. And, you know, there, there definitely is that pressure. I'm like, man, if I'm going to make it, I got to I gotta be able to do that, right? And so it's definitely challenging to be, you know, to see my goal being lived through by other people and seeing how hard they really have to put in work to maintain it or at least mm. get to that point. But you know, I've been very thankful and very lucky to have really good managers who not only look out for you know the work, but also look out for the people they work under um, so that we do a lot of hard work, you know, definitely a lot of intense work. But we also you know, make sure that we're not, you know, hurting ourselves because of it. Right. And it was my manager who told me, like, hey, Wes, work's going to be here on Monday. Just forget about it. Right. No one's really going to uh, lose their minds if it's not done by you know Saturday evening. Mm hmm. So uh, there's the that unhealthy goal that I have when by seeing you know, the where I want to be in C-suite and how they're working, but I've been you know, kind of put back in my place by my managers, like Wes, like relax. <laughs> you're you're only 24, 25, right? You're you're not gonna get their C-suite at next year. Work your way up, learn as much as you can now while you're still young. Um, ask questions, but don't try to you know kill yourself over it. Right. It'll come eventually, but take your time to get get up there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Damn. Okay. Damn, C-suite. Okay, you're going to be CEO? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I mean, man, it's it's a nice title, right? Like C-suite. Yeah. Ooh, really nice. the nice, the Eames chairs, you get your coffee brought to you. <laughs> you get your fancy pies. I'm like, oh, I like that. <laughs> fancy. Damn. What's this like? <laughs> It's like all about the non-work shit. <laughs> You're like, oh wait, I'm not gonna work at all during that time. I'm gonna have a nice office. I'm gonna get the private jet. <laughs> I mean, it's it's about the perks, you know. You work so hard to get there, so you might as well yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so Wes, I really appreciate kind of your perspective with like your professional world, teaching us a little more about the consulting world and what your mindset is for setting all these goals for yourselves or just like improving on yourself. But one of the things that I think both of us were really excited for was to just get to know you a little better as a person. I feel like in the time that I've known you since I joined the Northeast team, like we joined the same year, but every time I talk to you, I feel like you were involved in some other like hobby or some other interest, or you just always had like some sort of knowledge or experience in like some other realm or something that I always found really interesting. So we're hoping to kind of dive into that. Normally we kind of do like this like rapid fire type questioning. So I uh, just have a bunch of miscellaneous questions for you. Uh, I know you mentioned like your trip to Europe and I know previously one of the cool things that I remember hearing from you is that you visited all seven continents before in your, your travels. So I was kind of wondering what you would say is one of the most unique places that you've been to and what's next on the bucket list for you oh yeah that, that that's a that's always a fun story to bring out because no one ever believes me <laughs> like no way like they start counting it's like one two like what's the seventh one but no definitely one of the cooler ones is um shockingly it's also been popping up on my tiktok the trip down to antarctica yeah. uh, it's a wild journey um it's like what a two week long cruise from Ooh. the tip of south america all the way down there and there's a lot of documentation on it now, uh, now that, you know, it's been a lot more popularized. And a lot of influencer, influencers are doing it. They've made videos about it. But back when I was um, a wee lad about, you know, yay tall, I, I didn't know anything, right? I was just going along the flow and you know, kind of figuring it out. But from what I remember, you know, huge waves, you know, really bad storms, a lot of bad winds. And it was more of a technicality. We made it to this little rock, this you know, huge rock that came out of nowhere. Like, hey, technically this is you know part of it. So everyone get off, take a step on it, and you know, take a pebble, toss it into the ocean, and get back on the ship. <laughs> right. So on technicality, I, I did uh, I did make it there, but I was you know very young at the time, so it, it didn't leave too much of an impression. But it makes for a great story. Um, hmm. But. Everywhere else, you know, North America, no, I've I've been, yeah, hopefully. Europe, Asia, Oceania, South America, Africa, made you no know, smaller trips there, but definitely, you know, now that I'm older and I have money that I can, you know, throw at it, I would love to revisit everything again and uh, rewrite that story again with with a new perspective. So where's the next place you're trying to go? Ooh, next place that I am heading is to Pull up Central channel. America in August. We oh. have a cruise planned to me and my parents. My girlfriend's tagging along. Later this summer, we're going to take a cruise down to Central America, Honduras, Panama, Cuba. So it's going to be it's going to be great time. I'm looking forward to it. That's cool. Do you like cruises? I've never been on a cruise. My mother is a big fan because she's like, I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean. <laughs> I don't have to look after any of you guys. You guys do your own thing. Like, it's great. So uh, it's definitely more for my parents than okay. it for me. I enjoy it just because you know, I don't have to do anything. You know, I, I'm hungry. I go up and get food. I'm, I I want to work out. I go to the gym, uh, a lot of activities. But it definitely is a, a time to really get away and get off the internet, get off my phone and just relax. I haven't been on a cruise since um, you know, a few years now. So I'm looking forward to, to doing it again. Okay. Eat. Okay, next one is, we know you're from New York. You're a New Yorker. 
What's your favorite thing to do in New York, typically? Favorite thing to do in New York as um as a native or to bring as a tourist? Oh, oh, I guess either. Both. You can answer both. Okay, all right. Um, as a, as a native, let's start with that. I know the the memes about you know getting breakfast sandwiches at at delis and bodegas is always mm -hmm. a thing. So I, I wanted to share what I like to get. Um, ooh, ooh. My favorite sandwiches, right? I mean, the classic is your your bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, oh, yeah. on a roll, right? Can't can't go wrong with that. But recently, I have discovered I am mildly lactose intolerant, uh. and cheese is no longer a good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> constantly get we have beef, so. <laughs> My new go-to order, and this is something a little bit uh, interesting. Uh, there's a deli right across the street from me. He's it's owned by this uh, FJ guy, Chinese guy. Mm -hmm. And I always go up to him. I want bacon, egg, hold the cheese. I don't want cheese. Get me a Jamaican patty on it. But instead of a roll, get me a scallion pancake and put that shit in there. Mm, that sounds good. Wait, that's like the bread on top? Yeah, the scallion pancakes like it they cut it open so that it's like um it's like a, it's like a pita roll right you stuff it in there oh so it's eggs bacon salt pepper ketchup with a jamaican patty in a in a scallion pancake Ooh, that sounds good <laughs> I, i'm a sucker for jamaican patties i've had them at, yeah. no, at school lunches and everything but a scallion pancake instead of a roll less carbs twice as as flavorful um so my favorite as a native is i, I go there i get my breakfast and i go to work but to take a to take a tourist, what I like to do is I like to take them to get food. Right, I'm a big food guy. I love to eat, um, and most of the people I take around, they also love to eat as well. So I try to figure out what they like, you know, what they what they like to eat, you know, what their cuisine is uh, is their favorite, and I try to come up with a little nice food crawl to go around mm. all over New York to to get. Uh, recently, I brought my friend out to get a pizza crawl. Um, I mean, New York pizza, dollar slices, um, yeah. you know, your expensive slices. It's all over the city. But we went to, I think, seven different pizza stands through Manhattan, <laughs> Brooklyn, and deep into Long Island. Um, wow. So it was a whole day thing. But Long we, Island? Yeah, we went all the way out to Long Island. <laughs> you come back down here, I, I take you out. I treat you nice, okay? <laughs> Wait, so which area has the best pizza, the best New York pizza? A, a lot of people are going to say Brooklyn. A lot okay. of people are going to say Brooklyn has the best pizza. For me, the best pizza is the closest pizza. Oh. Right? I, I'm not going to go from Queens. I, I'm in a story right now. I'm not going to go down from Queens to Brooklyn That's for true. a pizza. Right? The best mm. pizza is the one I can call up and get in five minutes when I got the munchies. So that, it's always the closest one. Okay. So so no holding back on a, on a Domino's or a... Okay, well, we draw the line of dominoes. I don't, I don't know <laughs> we, we, we buy local here in this household. We buy local. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you kind of mentioned like being a foodie and kind of having your spots. Is there like a very unique meal that you've had either in New York or just like traveling around that kind of sticks with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of food. I, I went to culinary school when I was uh, younger. Um, I did that for years now. So I have that background. I know, hopefully I know what I'm looking at, but I, I am a big fan of more of the technical side of food, you know, mm. uh, skills, gastronomy, you know, how things, how, how to cook rather than the food itself. But me and my girlfriend, we, we love to eat and we love to, you know, really you know, explore new cuisines um, and try new restaurants. And so one of the challenges that we've been uh, doing is uh, eat around the world in, in just New York. 
And it's been proven possible. Every country in the world has a has a restaurant or at least a representation within New York. So it's possible to every you know 200 something countries is all done within New York City. But one that I do want to call out, I've been a longtime fan of. Uh, and I think Jason, you you when you came back to New York, you tried it, it was a Uyghur cuisine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a Western Chinese, um, so all the way in the you know, Western side most province of China, where you have uh, Muslim Chinese folks living, and they do a very unique comp- blend of you know, Chinese food with Middle Eastern twists on it, and it's incredible. Um, they also you know, have a, a great story. I love talking to the cooks and the owners, listening about their story. Our listeners, if you're listening, please, I, I encourage you to check them out. Uyghur Cuisine in New York. They got multiple locations and they do amazing work. How do you spell that? It's uh, U-Y-G-H-E-R, Uyghur. Oh. That was actually like such a fantastic meal. I've like yeah. never heard of that cuisine before. Um, well, one, it was just kind of cool to hear about a little bit of the culture and just like kind of what that community is going through like now it was just like all very foreign to me but just like the food experience in general was really really good <laughs> i was like telling my parents about it when i came home they didn't know about it and like all the people that i saw the rest of new york i was like i definitely want to try to get this again because <laughs> I, I think they're, they're not too big in other cities they're, they only have a small presence even in new york so if when asked, I always try to promote them just to get them a little bit more attention, a little bit more more focus on on what they're what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder if I could do like an eat around the world thing in LA. I feel like it's doable as well, but things are more spread out here too. Just more driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Okay, the next one. Um, let's see. Your last impulse buy. Last impulse buy was a new phone. I, I I've been called out so many times for bad photos, blurry photos. My my camera's oily. Um, you know, I, I've been called out way too many times about my my phone by my girlfriend, and she's been trying to get me to get an iPhone, but I I'm stuck on making that switch mostly because oh, if I make that switch, I lose all my game data on the Google Play Store. <laughs> and my records for Flappy Bird, my records for you no know, uh, Bejeweled and Candy Crush all get wiped. <laughs> And that's what's holding me back. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know about that. But I just got the the new Samsung. Um, what's it? Twenty four. Oh, they're already on twenty four right now. Yeah, it's on the twenty. It's a twenty four now. So I, I made that impulse buy. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna use my Christmas bonus. Let's get it. Okay. Nice. Okay. All right. I've been requested to ask you this question. <laughs> Obviously, not including me. But who is your favorite person that? was on the Northeast team the same time as you. My favorite person on the team. You probably get some real heat. Jason, right? No, I said I said it's gotta be someone else. It's gotta be someone else. Uh Who let's... requested this. <laughs> so it has been requested. I have the receipts. Okay. <laughs> I so there are two people that come to mind. I hope I hope that's okay. I'm giving two answers. There's the person I I respect a lot, and the person I I uh, enjoy working with the most. Uh, the person I respect uh, the most would be John. Um, mm. John, I think working with him it was always you know great to work with him. He's always been a very fun person to work with. So John, if you're listening, I love you. You know he's been a a great resource, especially when I was stepping up into RM. Um, just trying to hear from him and his experience. And he gave me a lot of good advice when we were down in Atlanta. 
we had a we had a good drink together, and we had a <laughs> lot of good talk, and just trying to understand you know, what it really took to to be an RM and to lead the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and John, if you're listening, you know I appreciate you a lot, and I uh, hope I get to see you again. And for the second part of my answer, the person I enjoy working with the most, um, this person I worked with her for you know so many years now. Uh, she was you know, she was part of my eboard back at RPI, but Michelle Michelle Ling, um, she I mean she was also from RPI. She was what one year my junior, so she was on my eboard. She's you know, been uh, a, a close friend for a long time. Uh, so she's seen my bullshit. She's she's know what I've been up to. No, she no stranger to that. But no, she's stuck by ever since. And I think uh, she's always a pleasure to work with. And no, everything I do, I can always rely on her to to help me achieve it. Wow. Oh, we love that. We love them both. But also, this is why Michelle requested this question. Oh, she no, did. I, did she know that it was going to be her? <laughs> I thought it was going to be Eric or, or, or Maisha. But no. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you, you got your bases covered <laughs> awesome yeah all right so also like what are well you mentioned you had a lot of like you somehow went to culinary school what i was like what? but i wanted to ask you about your other i guess hobbies and other stuff you like to do in your spare time you mentioned like photography and all this other stuff but um just general like other things like what do you what are your other interests and stuff like that Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, hopefully you can see it in my background. I'm a big fan of collecting uh, Gundam, mm. uh, building little mm. model kits, putting together, you know, cool robots. Um, no, they're, they're cool. I'm, I'm just a big sucker for them. You know, I've always been a fan of you know, robots and Transformers and you know, that whole in that whole genre. It, it excites me a lot. So I'm a big collector of that. I build plastic model kits in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like you mentioned, Jenny, I I like I love photography. Uh, I think my love for it comes from my girlfriend. She uh, introduced me to you know taking photos. I used to hate getting my photos taken. I thought I was uh, I wasn't as pretty as I thought I was. Um, so I always shied away from it. But um, she helped me capture and helped me realize my best angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know I, I now have a a deep appreciation for it. So I always love I, I now love photos. Cooking, you know, like you said, I, I went to culinary school, more of an after-school program where I was taught a um, very traditional French style of cooking, um, which, you know, a lot of people look at me like, oh, I you like to cook, but you don't cook Asian food. And like, yeah, I cook a lot of uh, uh, Western you know, French food. Uh, recently, I've been trying to learn more about uh, Mexican uh, hmm. or, you know, a lot of more indigenous uh, Central American cuisine and learning more about uh, the techniques they have and you know, how they cook. But a big hobby that came from that is I like to collect culinary utensils, namely knives. Uh, I have starting, I'm starting to build out my collection of uh, knives and cutlery that I've collected from around the world uh, and framing it all over my kitchen. So I have knives I've taken from uh, Germany, from from France. Uh, Next year when I go to Japan, I'm like, I'm bringing back at least five different pairs of knives. TSA is going to look at me weird, but I I have a back. (laughs) Promise but small stuff like that, I think, is is unique and interesting. So hopefully, um, you know, that hobby will continue to stay on and won't break the wallet. Cool. Sam and I went to Japan in the fall, and like she had been there before, and like the one thing that she was like certain that she like needed to get done when she was there was to get knives and bring them back. <laughs> so like we went to this like one area in Tokyo that's like I think there's like a bunch of different 
store centered around like kitchen utensils slash like just like general cooking materials, I guess. I don't, I don't know how best to describe that. But mm-hmm. yeah, those like the quality and like the the craftsmanships of those knives were like incredible. And I don't know anything about knives, but just seeing it like in I'll general was really that. cool to see. <laughs> Japan soon. <laughs> I mean, I think I know which which area you're talking about, Jason. I think it's called a uh, Kapebashi Street. It's like this whole street just yes, yes, the, the oh, cooking. Yeah, no, I I plan to go there. I've been telling my my girlfriend I want to get one of the um the giant tuna knives that they use to cut open tuna. It looks like a katana. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, that's illegal and it's also like a few hundred dollars. But I want to get a tuna knife that looks like a katana and just lug that home. TSA is gonna give me the most shit for it, but I don't care. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jeez. Yeah, you gotta get a big enough suitcase to fit all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta mail it back home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have I have a few questions, but I'll 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 let you I'll let you answer one of the three questions. Oh boy. The pressure's on. <laughs> okay, so you kind of talked about this with your photography. So first question, option one is why are you a catfish? The second question <laughs> is what is your biggest pain from being a Knicks fan? And then the third question is, are you good at poker? I can do all three. I'll, I'll rapid fire. Why? <laughs> first one, I'm not a catfish. I'm just naturally beautiful. You just don't see me with, you know, you got to wipe your glasses. I think they're a little bit smudged if you don't think. <laughs> um, second question, worst part of being a Knicks fan is, is everything. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, I just get heartbroken and and, and more heartbroken, and I, it's a it's like a toxic relationship. I, I say I won't come back, but every year I'm like, we we got this in the bag. This is the year. This, this has to be it. This has to be it, right? Um, and every trade that they make, I just rip out a few strands of my hair every time. Every silly trade they make, I'm like, why? Big uh, <laughs> fan. It's everything. It's, it has to be everything. Um, the last question: Am I good at poker? Only one way to find out. Only one way to find you. got to play me to find out. <laughs> What's the minimum? Jody, Manasra, <laughs> uh, uh, Randy, and Umai, if you're listening, you know, we, we got to play again. You you can't say anything. I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, word on the street is that uh, Wes is a, a frequent loser at poker. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I make big moves in poker. I make big moves. Sometimes they're not good moves, but they're bigger moves. <laughs> have to prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so the next trip we have, uh, you know who you are. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Okay. So uh, one last thing we would like to ask you before we wrap up the episode in the theme of our podcast, The Adult Table. Um, what is one thing that you did recently that made you feel like a quote-unquote real adult? Or, uh, or and or. What is one thing, one adult thing you wish you knew sooner? Yeah, no, um, one adult thing. I mean, I've not too recently, but I've been doing for a little while is uh, giving back to my parents. And um, no, I, I know it, it hurts me every time to to say it. You know, it brings a little tear to my eye, but you know, I, I can see my parents getting old. Um, and it makes me a little sad every time, you know, I, I look at my dad, I look at my mom and, you know, they can't do the same, the, the same things that they used to do when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, ever since I got my first paycheck, I give them a, a portion, a fraction of it, uh, send it over to my mom. 
Uh, she doesn't use it. I told her you can use it. You know, like I know you've been looking at your Gucci handbags uh, <laughs> for a long time, mom. Like you can use it, but she's like, no, I'll, I'll save it. You know, I'm gonna put it into an, a a savings account and let it accrue interest for a, a deposit for your first home. So like, mom, you don't have to do that. Like I, I got my own savings, but um, I, I make it an effort every paycheck, first of the month, I send over. Uh, no, a lot of money over to my mom, and and she pockets it and keeps it. So that's one thing that really made me feel like an adult is to give back to my parents. Mm-hmm. The the one thing I wish I knew uh, earlier was uh, my finances. I, I've always been terrible with my finances, right? I mean, I would go to a bar and like, oh yeah, no, thirty dollars a shot, like, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> blow out my whole paycheck there. But um, being better with my finances, uh, better with my paycheck, the money that comes in has always mm-hmm. been um, something I wish I knew earlier, but now I do. And on that note, I'm also leading a workshop uh, this coming week at NERC down in Arlington, Virginia. I'm leading a, a workshop on corporate finances for new grads. I presume by this time this podcast comes out, uh, NERC will be already be over. So I hope you all like that uh, workshop. Please message me if you want to learn more. But um, as of right now, I'm, I'm gearing up for that uh, workshop this coming weekend. Awesome. Oh, I think that's pretty much yeah, it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you for your insight. That's cool. Wait, I'm kind of curious about this finance workshop. Maybe I'll have to ask you questions about that later myself. <laughs> oh, come to um, NERC. We, we got a lot of room. I'm in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll have to catch you at some other time when I'm back in New York. Oh, um, yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you again, Wes, for coming on the Adult Table podcast. If you want to plug any socials. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I am Wesley J. Chow. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Add me on LinkedIn, Wesley Chow. <laughs> Hopefully, my <laughs> name goes up somewhere. Uh, but uh, you can find me anywhere. I'm always down to chat, always down to talk. Uh, I won't charge you anything if you want to ask me questions. So it's always uh, it's always a good time to chat with people. So please reach out. I'm I'm always available. Yeah. Don't forget about that Sace RPI. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we'll link it. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> we'll link it in our socials as well. Oh man. But Jason, Jenny, thank you guys for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the adult table. Yeah. Yeah, this has been really fun, Wes. Um, I know like we've been on the team together and then like just been friends after, but it's always nice to just kind of get to just sit down, get to know you even more and learn a little bit more about what you've been doing and kind of I don't know. I, I feel like I've always been impressed by kind of what you've done in like your professional world and kind of picking up like RM and stuff like that. So it's cool to kind of just hear that breakdown. Um, so really appreciate you coming on. But yeah, for the listeners, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you know when episodes come out and you can follow us on Instagram at the Adult Table Podcast for updates. I'm Jason Chin. And I'm Jenny Chung. And we'll see you next time at the Adult Table. Thanks for listening. Bye.